And Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds, the officers of the army, and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Don't let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by the way of the horse's entrance into the king's house, and there she was killed. So like mother, like daughter. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. This was both righteous and prudent. It was a just sentence against this woman, Athaliah, who had murdered so many, and prudent precautions were taken so she could not mount a resistance. Jehoiada said, Do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. As a priest, Jehoiada had a great concern for the sanctity and reputation of the temple. So she was taken to the place where the horses entered the king's house. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he finalizes chapter 11 in the book of 2 Kings. You remember when we used to, remember when we used to go up on the hill? We used to have the fires and eat the, the really awful things and do those filthy things with our idols. Our fathers did that. Let's do that again. So we, they entice him and he's, there's no more governor in his life now. Now the, the true test of his character, the true test of his kingship finally comes to fruition. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Joash? And that's a question that happens to every male, every woman, every male in this room. There's a defining line at some point in your life and the devil will throw you a bone and say, oh, but you, you know you want this. It's irresistible. You've always been thinking about it, and now the opportunity presents itself. What are you going to do? It'll never happen again. Of course, it always does. (laughs) Sin has a way of finding us out. But notice, yet he sent prophets to them, God in his grace, knowing that this weakness in Joash, verse 19, yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not listen to them. And then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. Notice, this is the son of Jehoiada the priest. This is the, 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 the governor, you know, the governor of Joash. He, he had a son named Zechariah, and Zechariah stood up and he said, Thus says uh, God, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you've forsaken the Lord, for he, and he, will, he has also forsaken you. So finally, somebody has the guts to stand up in the midst of this idolatry and say, You know what? You guys are going the wrong way. Turn and repent. And unfortunately, this is the kind of thing that happens. You know, a young king has a governor like Jehoiada. But as he gets older, the governor dies. And then he is, we really find out what he's made of. 
It's as if his true character was eclipsed by the governor until the governor was taken out of the way. Again, this young man, Joash, started so well. He was a reformer, but after his mentor died, he took to sin like water, like a fish to water. In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, which is important for you to read those two chapters, chapters 23 and 24 of 2 Chronicles, because it tells us there that Joash even killed Jehoiada's son, Zechariah. When he started to rebuke them, when Zechariah started to rebuke him, the king says, you know what, I'm done with this. And he kills him. He has him killed. This man who was so great in his life, he kills his son. You know, it's, it's often true for young people when they get out from their parents' supervision, outside of their parents' accountability, they cast off the yoke of their parents and they go hog wild. They get in their 20s or whatever and they, they, they make the, the, the declaration, I gotta go out to, New, I gotta go out to Los Angeles. I gotta, I gotta find myself. I gotta go to New York City. I gotta go find myself. Well, what are you gonna find? What are you gonna find when you find yourself? You're going to find yourself a mess. Everybody who's gone to New York City and gone to Los Angeles to find themselves never found themselves at all. They found themselves on a website with, a, with numbers across their chest with an orange jumpsuit. They've either been arrested or they've been, something has happened to them. It never turns out good. And young people, Got to be careful of that. Thank God for people like Jehoiada. But we must also be careful. What does it tell us in Proverbs? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring forth the issues of life. Keep it, protect it, guard your heart. Guard your heart through your ears, through your eyes, the music you listen to, the things you watch. Guard those things like a sentinel would guard a uh, a place of, of where an army is, or a, where a king is. We have to guard it. Because there are many things that seek to entangle us. And what does it tell us in, in Jeremiah? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I love the prophet, gives the, he gives the question, the heart is desperately wicked, who can know it? And God immediately replies in verse 10 of the very next verse, and God intervenes and says, I do. I know the heart. I, the Lord, I, Jehovah, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So notice also that it was seven years of despotic rule, and then after the seven years, the king was restored to his rightful place. You think that's a coincidence? Here we have perhaps a little foreshadowing or perhaps even a little type of what we're going to see yet in the future when Israel will have a despot, the Antichrist, ruling over them for seven years, ruling over them for six years, until the return of the King, Jesus Christ. You know, these things that are in the Bible aren't just there by happenstance. Yes, it is history, but there's a lot of prophecy and types and, and, and things of that nature. And we can see here, just as 
the Antichrist will take control for the, you know, he's going to be a big hot shot on the earth for really three and a half years, but for those seven year period, he's going to be calling the shots. But guess what happens after that seven years? The return of the king. Jesus Christ. Revelation 19, verse 11. The great God from heaven returns to heaven, physically to the earth, with all of the saints with him. And so in this, we even see a type, we see a foreshadowing. It's not perfect, but it's, it's there nonetheless. Athaliah ruling over Judah and Jerusalem, this despotic person. Until finally the rightful heir to the throne, Joash, was put on the throne. But Satan has always sought to pollute and destroy the royal line of David from the very beginning. So notice verse 13. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the escorts and the people, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. And when she looked, there was the king standing by a pillar according to the custom. And the leaders and the trumpeteers were by the king. And all the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. And listen to this. So Athaliah, she tears her clothes and says, Treason, treason. I mean, what? You weren't even supposed to be there, and yet you're saying treason, treason. You obtained the, the throne by, by murder and deceit and usurpation, and now your throne is being usurped? No, you were the usurper. But isn't that just like the devil? When he does something, he's always pointing the finger at somebody else. And Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds, the officers of the army, and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Don't let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by the way of the horse's entrance into the king's house, and there she was killed. So like mother, like daughter. Like her mother was slain because of her whoredoms and her idolatry, so unfortunately her daughter Athaliah. And God vanquishes this Baalism. Just as Second Kings chapter 9 ended with the events of Jezebel's death, now here in this chapter, at the end of chapter 11 here, her daughter also comes to her own. Both of them wicked women who are power, grab- power grabbers and devil worshippers. And what an unfortunate waste of life. Do you think God delighted in that? You know, it's very easy for us to, to think about that, that God is just, he hates people or something. Even those who are wicked to the bone, God doesn't hate people. He loves people. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. What did he tell us in Deuteronomy? Remember when, uh, before Israel came into the land, what did, what did God, speaking through Moses, tell him? He says, I call heaven and earth, this is Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore, choose life. That's always God's response to culture. Choose life. Choose life. Do you think God is pro-life? He is. He's pro-life. He always has been, always will be, because the, the death of one person 
as something that he is not pleased with. He would rather that that person came to know him. And isn't it true that that is something that, you know, we all want to do? We want to be about his work. We want to be about God's business. Especially when we know what we know about that. And especially when we know that there is an eternal resting place for the damned. There is. The Bible speaks of it. No, the church, many pastors in the church don't like to talk about that. They want to tell you how, how, how good you are and, and make you feel really good so that you come back next week. None of this bad news. We don't want to tell them the gospel. We want to tell them the good news, but we don't, want to tell, them, don't tell them they're sinners because then they won't give. We want to tell them that they're really, you know, you're inherently good. You know, but the Bible says that we're inherently bad. <laughs> From the womb, we are evil. We have a, a nature that is just enmity against God. I saw it in my own daughter when she was just a little girl, and, 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 and my mom saw it in me. We didn't have to teach her how to be selfish one day. All of a sudden, you give her something, and you're like, honey, give it back. And she sticks out the lip even and gives you the look and you know, pulls away. And, you know, and it's like, where did you? She's never seen Kathy and I you know, doing that. I mean, my wife has never come to me and said, you know, here's you know, this, the last uh, Chips Ahoy cookie in the bag. And, and you know, I don't grab it and go, mm. you know, She never saw it in action. Oh, but it's inherent. It's, it's sort of like, I just breathe. I, I'm, I'm there already, you know. And the child just naturally is selfish. Where did she get that? She wasn't even old enough to see any of that demonstrated for her. She wasn't even in school yet to see anybody else doing it. Ah, it's because it's built in. It's like intel. It's in there. Right? It's in there. But see, that's why we share the gospel. That's why we share the truth. And remember that the gospel is good news. But before there's good news, you have to tell them the bad news. Don't ever take the teeth out of the gospel. The teeth of the gospel is I am a sinner and on my way to hell. And yes, that hurts feelings. <laughs> you hurt myself. So what? So what? I'd rather be hurt and told the truth and converted and go to heaven than for nobody to tell me anything and think I could just be who I am and just, you know, just be a good person and finally somehow, by some method, I die and I go to heaven? It doesn't work that way. There's a lot of good people that were more moral than some Christians that are in hell today. Without Christ, but moral. Heaven is... Or hell is filled with a bunch of moral people. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Ah, but they did it in their mind. You've heard that it said, Oh, I've never, you know, committed adultery against my wife. Ah, but she thought about it. Well, you know, everybody does. Well, that alone will send you to hell. A lot of moral people. Oh, I wouldn't do it in the physical, but I've thought about it, but I won't, we won't talk about that. And no, I don't believe in Christ either, but I'm an upstanding gentleman. I went to Harvard and Yale. And I drive a, you know, a very fine car. You know, a Saab from, you know. And God's like, so what? But he loves the person. He hates the sin. He does. He loves people. We can't forget that. Especially today. 
Folks, there's a lot more enemies of the church now today than there ever has been. And what are we going to do about that? Are we going to get angry and hateful? I find it in myself at times. And you know, the Bible is true. Didn't it tell us that, didn't Jesus tell us in Matthew 24, he said, the days are going to become so desperate Yet in the future, but they're already there, and it's, it's progressing. But things are going to get so, the iniquity is going to abound so much that the love of many is going to grow cold. And the word he uses is agape. The love of many. Only believers have agape love in their hearts. True agape comes from God. So that really wounds me. And I'm like, Lord, I've been such a scoundrel, even as a believer. I, I've not treated people the way I ought to. I haven't treated my own family the way I ought to. You know, grumbling and complaining and frustrated and angry at times. And, you know, not angry at them, but just angry at things and carrying around a weight on my shoulders. And I'm guilty of that. And God is just like, will you just give that? <laughs> Can't you cast your care upon me? Didn't I say my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Yeah, Lord, but that's for somebody else. No, Mr. Kellogg, it's for you. Oh? Yes, for you. And then to see the smile on his face. It's for you, Mr. Kellogg. It's for you, attendees of Calvary Chapel. So verse 17, we're almost finished. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the people and the king that they should be the Lord's people and also between the king and the people. Notice who the instigator was in this in restoring things to their right order. It was this wonderful man, this priest, this high priest, the Bible tells us in Chronicles. He was a high priest. He restores the kingdom and then he took the captains of hundreds, the bodyguards, the escorts, and all the people of the land. They brought the king down from the house of the Lord and went by the way of the gate of the escorts of the king's house. And then he sat on the throne of the king. So this is so they take him off the temple mount uh, there looking toward uh, the Mount of Olives. And they bring him down. And notice it does say that. It says, and, and they, they brought him uh, down. They went by the way... Uh, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord at the temple down into the Zion, which is that little piece of land right there to the south uh, east of the Temple Mount. It's still there today. You can visit David's uh, palace. They're uncovering that, and they've uncovered a lot of it. You can see it. I've been there. And he comes down, and he sets on the throne there in Zion. He comes down from the Temple Mount. So all the people of the land rejoiced. And the city was quiet. And why was it quiet? For they had slain Athaliah with the sword in the king's house. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 22 verse 10? It says this, Cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yea, strife and reproach will cease. Something good for us to remember. Cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Now that Athaliah was dead, I hate, you know, the... Um, there's um, now there's peace. Notice verse 21, we'll finish here. Jehoash, notice, was seven years old when he became king. 
seven years old. What a, what, he was so young, what a grace that he had a man like Jehoiada, this wonderful regent, if you will, this wonderful role model in his life. And, and I would encourage you men to be a role model for some young person in the church. Ladies, you older women, be role models for the younger women. Uh, be role models for them. You've been through an, a lot already. You've learned a lot. Maybe you've already reared children. Maybe you're in the process of it right now and you've got a new mother who comes in the church. Draw alongside her. She needs your help. And guys... These young men in the church, find them and, and get to know their dads and, and do things with them. Encourage them. Be examples before them. Don't be like all the other men in the world. Be holy examples. Treat them well and, and, and give them everything they need to, to rise above this horrible culture that we're in. Give them, be willing to be a stepping stone for them to crawl upon on your back to reach higher than you went. And hopefully they'll get saved earlier than you did so that their life won't be peppered with so much, so much horrible things and the actions that many of us in this room have done May they not have to go through with it. And you and I, men and women, we have this wonderful grace, this wonderful privilege to be to these young people. You know, even with Isaiah, you know, we were looking at that in prayer the other night, you know, just being, and, and you are, Thurman, you're such a great example for your young nephew, you know? And, you know, and, and just to continue to be that, to our kids, our grandkids. So let's do that. Let's be those good examples. Amen? Let's stand together and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this chapter, even though it was very challenging. And Lord, there's some very discouraging things here, Father. But we thank you, Lord, for people like Jehoiada. Lord, we thank you for these young people that are coming up in the church today, Father. May we never discourage them. May we never keep any of them from coming to you. May we be those encouragers and, Lord, those stepping stones that they can, they can climb up higher than we've ever been. Lord, that's the, the goal, Lord, is to work ourselves out of a job, to work ourselves out of ministry and put these young people in charge, Lord. And so we pray that, God, when they're ready and until they're ready, God, grow them and, and use them, Lord, that they could be like Joash, Lord, at a very young age, being, uh, having such great things modeled for them and men and women who are older and wiser and been walking with you to guide and direct them through the path of it all, Lord. So help us to do that. And Lord, may we, regardless of how old we are, to be willing to be discipled by somebody older than us who's been through things that we've already that we're still going through, Lord, to listen to them and to hear what they've got to say and to grow from their experience in the Lord. So Lord, thank you for that you are in this process of discipleship. And Lord, you want to use us to be disciplers and also to be discipled ourselves. So we thank you for that, Lord, and we praise you. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters tonight as we go from this place, get us home safely, and bless our day tomorrow, Father. Come what may, we pray that you just keep us all safe, and, and uh, Lord, just bless our days, bless our week, and certainly bless the Sunday as we gather. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings.
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.